Left Podcast. I'm Summer Phoenix, and this is... Rain Phoenix, a space for fame creatives to launch the next wave of music rebels. It's also an intentional space to highlight and empower all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice but a necessity. Summer and I are joined for the first time at Gold Diggers <laughs> yes. in Hollywood, California, yeah. by the lovely and talented... Muna! Yes, Muna. you pronounced it correctly. Um, Congratulations. Do you guys want to talk about what Muna is? Yes. Um, not only the name of the band and what it means, but what it is as a lovely little trio of, of ladies. Yes. Ladies and ladies. Um, ladies? Yeah. Wow, yeah, I like that. Ladies. Uh, okay. You like that? And Hades. Yeah. Hades. <laughs> yeah. Hades. <laughs> Hades. <laughs> Hades. Yeah. Is that Hades with a D as like the underworld? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're, She's we're, ladies, we're, ladies. <laughs> Hades. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're a band. We're also like, best friends and we can't get enough of each other even though we also drive each other nuts i was gonna say katie doesn't um, really seem to be she loves that. it oh she no is, katie, katie is am it. i giving that energy katie katie, loves uh, it. uh no katie i think you're being judged are y'all sisters or are y'all married <laughs> sisters yeah both sisters can wow. you tell are you sisters yes yeah. oh, wow we're a college band we went to usc Would you funny. believe that yeah, what's your association with usc we live in Los Angeles. When I think of USC, I think of this nonprofit film studio, Lisa Bandini, mm. uh, doing the a professor there was very kind, and we did like movies, yeah, with the student program, and they volunteered in hospital for kids. That, so that's, that's pretty nice. nice. Yeah, yeah, wow, that's great. Really positive. Yeah, you beat every, us. Every private institution has its uh, ups, peaks, and you know, yeah. drops, you know? so. and kind of does speak to our experience there. Like we were in like a music program that was a nice little bubble, Joe and I, and then mm. Naomi and I were in like also the American studies and ethnicity school, which is like another cool bubble with a really cool There were only like 30 in kids school. in it, to be honest. Yeah. It was pretty Are great. Are you guys graduates? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We made it. We, we made sure we that we graduated. graduated. Yeah, I, I, we got signed my senior year and they were, or my junior year. Your senior year. My senior year, it was like midway through my senior year and then mm -hmm. I wanted to graduate and so. What would you they, say people most associate with Muna that know of you? They were a queer pop band probably. Yeah. Like, that right mm -hmm. i mean if we're being frank is that how you we're also very good um, what do you uh as, as queer, queer or pop, pop, yeah queer i mean as a as a little boop under our name yeah. yeah right yeah i also think it's like the the um genre that is relevant today of bangers that are also very emotional mm -hmm. i think people think that we that is part of what we do yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I would say so. I mean, I was, I mean, I feel like it's like music <laughs> to get dressed to when you're fucking going to a party yeah. in your own house and loving Period. up on yourself. Wait, have you heard uh, our music? This? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. Could, so you have, I thought so you were going into research. this, that like actually well, knowing nothing. to your music. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, don't I don't know. like know where you live <laughs> and what your names are or any of that. I don't know That's superfluous fine. information, but I'm I listen to of, the music. I kind Great. of liked Word. the idea that you hadn't heard any of our music and we're, like we're just gonna well. try and explain it to you without, what it's yeah. <laughs> too bad we, we actually do a lot of um choir work where the three of us make all the instruments she's heard yeah. the music everything we do so. is with our mouths uh, which one of you is the producer guitarist me that's me. nice yeah. and you play guitar nothing mm -hmm. 
and guitar. <laughs> and you're just Loser. here to look good. Yeah, uh, yeah. doing my best. You, you are the singer. Yeah, yes. only air guitar. Um, do you also write all of the lyrics? Yes, yeah, she does. Yeah, Mo- majority. Majority, majority more of all of because them. Because when I was listening to some of the lyrics, I thought, um, well, I thought a lot of things, but um, Word. <laughs> one of the things that I thought was, I wonder if they do any co-writing, and if so, how that would work, because it feels very personal as well. Right. Um, that's a really interesting question, actually, because I'm getting more and more interested in the world of co-writing because I think it can be really healing to like share that um, level of, you know, your personal insight with somebody else, especially like I mean, with us, it started like we were friends for a long time and we had um, a relationship. And so I felt comfortable bringing um stories from my life into our music and sharing with them and i think as i've gotten older it's just like working on becoming more and more comfortable um bringing that level of authenticity um into different creative spaces but it is true that um the we release our second record saves the world in um september so um, good love it so much thank you, thank you so much and so and both thank of you. the records are um like I'm trying to think, like if there was any co-writing, no. Katie, you know there wasn't any co-writing. No, you don't but have to I tried. No, no, I'm not because I tried. None, none we of tried. it made. The, none of it made. Yeah. The record. yeah. Generally, what ha- has happened with me in the past is like I'll get in a room with somebody and we'll have a nice time together and really good conversations, and then um, when it comes to like actually doing it, I have like performance anxiety, and then the next day I'll write a good song. I don't. I don't know if it's. Perf- I don't. I don't like that descriptor, but. Why not? Because it's like, I, I, who knows if the, the the songbird was in the house, you know, <laughs> flew, into the, flew into the coop that day. Sometimes yeah. you're having a good hang, but maybe you won't write a, a Yeah, a and sometimes tune. that energy I like the metaphor of performance thing. anxiety because I feel like writing a song with someone is like, it's sometimes more intimate than sex. So it's like, I can't do this actually right now because I don't really know you that well. Um and, so th- yeah. you're talking about with other possible collaborators, mm-hmm. but not with the not with your band when you're talking about having a good conversation and then writing a banger the next day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about other people. But oh, that's okay. interesting that I just skipped right over. You did. Um, well, like you we just have a certain in the room. With we, us right. Before, I have. But it's not it's it's slightly compartmentalized or it's like we don't there's there's a lot of I think everyone we don't there's no pressure to do anything that doesn't feel good in that moment and so a lot of it can be either compartmentalized or um just taken really slow so i don't know yeah i love i mean i feel like it's very empowering your lyrics and that's why i you know and i and you feel a a sisterhood empowerment Mm. within them and a sort of like i feel like you touch upon often the idea of being enough versus not being enough Mm -hmm. right and one that particularly stood out to me was the one where you and i could be wrong here about but i think you said like whenever i shut up or when i don't shut up Mm -hmm. what was that lyric yeah 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 Oh, it's fucking dope. Yeah, that was like a, a really important song for us as a band. Yeah, way long ago. How yeah. many years? Like 
Would you well, say that because you're writing with someone else or you think you are, you're in a room with someone and you're like, I'm going to try to write and it's really intimate. No, I'm not going to do it. And the next day you write a great song. That, that directly has to do with the energy and the confidence from somebody coming in the room with you to yeah. like write. And you're like, wait, I can fucking do this without them. Yeah. But there's something about you needed that like almost that other body to get excited about for like do you, like you said the the bird is loose or it's in the room it's sort of like yeah that th without that meetup whether you wrote with that person or not the next day you wouldn't have written the song I think that's really true and I also think like part of the reason that I answer with this kind of ambiguity about co-writing is my view of songwriting is really um like messy it's like you don't know when you're actually writing a song. I think a lot of things are on the back burner in my mind at all times. And you don't know what is going to be a part of the creative process. So I do think that like the writing session the day prior, like has something to do with it. Um, yeah. I think like for me, it's like I'm writing songs like when I'm walking down the street or like working in a garden or having a conversation or like getting like yeah. waiting at the DMV. It's like you never really know when the process is taking place and every interaction you have contributes to um, the outcome. And like we write together also in the sense of um, it doesn't always have to do with just like you're coming up with the actual words. It's like I feel safe with them to say, oh, I want to say this, but um, is it better to say it this way or this way? And just choosing like this resonates with me. Like that's part of the process for Muna is like I'll bring stuff to them and they help me understand what is actually coming across um, to other humans in mm -hmm. the way that like we want the message to be understood. And I think that's co-writing as well. They help the like personal I, become more universal because exactly. they're like your universal ears. We kind of, right. yeah. yeah, we kind of like vet the songs or right. we're able to yeah. vet her, her ideas through us. And then if they resonate with us, we kind of hope that they would resonate with other people because we all have like very different upbringings and life experiences mm -hmm. and everything. And if it, right. if it touches, you know, that, that part in your, do you think your soul, music, uh, Re is relatable not just to queer absolutely uh, to everyone yes absolutely yeah. I, I think if you're I, sensitive I was, I was asking a very obvious question but i wanted to hear it <laughs> i appreciate your, yeah, your agreement. <laughs> no seriously just I mean, wanted like to make to sure people so. hear that yeah i like... understand you're not like we're niche and that's all yeah, you yeah, know yeah. I mean, that's Like, mm -hmm. yeah, they're fucking bangers, but a lot of the trajectory of the lyrics mm. is very folk. I mean, you're yes. very much talking about stories and literally, like you said, like you you can write at the DMV. We are listening to you talk about like, right. yo, uh, the bee from your house came in and bit my leg yeah. and it was in my car as I was driving home from your, you know, right. it's that same. Right. Mm. On it. Yeah, you're on I it, know. man. I mean, you're very, you're impressive. No, we appreciate it. No, it's I think, awesome. I think the cool thing about being a pop band as well as being a queer band, I think those are two descriptors that uh, mean nothing. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like They're it's everything and and nothing. Like pop is just what is popular, and queer is an all-encompassing term. For it's just like non-normative yeah whatever like i don't know we're really into it. that part i mean i i don't know if you know about launch left or have had a chance to do any research we on listened us to, we listened to phoebe's episode oh you did yeah yeah cool but yeah, yeah the idea is to sort of highlight 
left of center artists, those who are outside the box and yeah. doing things their way and may or may not have reached popularity or at least a kind of level of um, resonance with the public, mm. but they're not pop in the obvious way that mm -hmm. we think of pop stars mm -hmm. like um, that. And, and what I mean by that are not legendary pop stars mm -hmm. that did it their way, but more those that are manufactured, there's a kind of yeah. cookie cutter thing that will get you a hit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there seems to be plenty of shows and podcasts about pop songs or pop mm -hmm. people that do it that way. And we were really interested in talking to artists that can't help but make music and art from a place of like, this needs to come out. I need to express myself. Yeah. And it may or may not become really popular. So yeah. that's cool. But if it's not, it's also the opportunity to just share how did you, like, why, why music? How did music find you? Yeah. You know, and for you all, I know you said through school, but we're, as as children or when you before college was, did you find when did you find music? Each of you um, in your own way, we all found music individually, like at very young ages. Me personally, my parents are both jazz musicians, and my grandfather is a saxophone player, and I took classical piano as a child. So music was just sort of like a part of my life, uh, uh, like a requirement to a certain extent that I. Uh, took to kind of more in a fun and passionate way over time and sort of had to de like develop my own relationship to it. Um, but that came, you know, in adolescence and when I started listening to started developing my own like taste in music and what I like to do. And then I discovered producing and then that's just the one thing that I'm like good at. So yeah, just made sense. Um, but yeah, Jojo. It's not the one thing that you're good at, clearly. Okay? <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> Thank I, you. Took the words out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't really know. I don't remember a time in my life where I didn't want to do music. I think I just grew up wanting to play the guitar, and so then I just started playing the guitar, and then I was like, I'm either like not going to go to college or I'm going to go to music college, and so that's, you know what just happened there's a really cute like letter to santa of josette's oh, wow, from like yeah. what age i don't know and like you, did you guys put that in that book yeah we i did. think so she's just asking for a rock star guitar <laughs> yeah and she got one and i got one i think it's addressed wow. to santa mouse it was uh there was a lot of uh specific <laughs> folklore <laughs> specific mask and family folklore we just had for a lot sure. of animals i think we had a we, I think at the time we had like a rat or a mouse. Santa Claus and Santa Mouse. Yeah. I think it was addressed yeah. to both. It was very it was courteous. Both. Yeah. <laughs> that was OG. Yeah. And then like I, I, my first instrument was actually the violin, um, which I still feels kind of sad that I stopped playing. But I saw um, an Andrew Bird concert um, when I was pretty young and he turned his violin sideways and was like playing it, like strumming it. And that was like pretty much when I stopped playing violin because my teacher was like, she won't hold it the right way. <laughs> Thinks she wants a guitar. Um, <laughs> and once I could play a couple chords on guitar, like for me, my relationship, it's really interesting. It's like Joe cannot stop playing guitar and like Naomi cannot stop producing. And like I cannot stop writing songs. Like I'm not necessarily passionate about like getting really good at any specific instrument. Everything's always been a vessel for songwriting for me. And I started writing at a really young age and it's been a constant, like I don't have an experience of 
like stopping writing for a long time after a project is out or something. It's just always been something that um, I, I do. It's shocking to me that other people don't do it. I don't know how, I don't know how you wouldn't do it. Um, and I liked what you said about like this concept of people that make music cause they like just have a need to. And I think that's been one of the hardest parts of transitioning into being a professional band because you actually have like commitments. You're like, okay, I'm going to have an album out like at this time. And how do you um, move into that realm? And at the same time, not release any song that you didn't need to write. So it's been like learning to balance those things. How much of, how much do you guys feel like in power of your, um, I was thinking about this, not about music and, but it just, you bringing it up has made me relate it to that is that how much do you feel like fuck the system and fuck that we have to like, you know, that we're signed and we have to have music out at a certain time and do it this way. And it's become more of a job. Mm. Is there any is there you were talking about balance is there anything in that balance that can be like you know what we're innovators we're young we're different we're we're outside of the box we're left of center we're doing it differently and in fact no we're not gonna release that this song just because you guys are telling us to do it now then do you feel like there's any room for that or is there like this like overlording like we paid for your record mm. so oh. you must do what we tell you to I do i don't think I, there there really isn't yeah. i mean there it there there i can say honestly that that is the situation for a lot of people mm -hmm. who are in hellish situations yeah. um and feel very sort of extra marginalized by you know the power structures that be but in our situation we just sort of made a gut decision with the person that we are signed to at the label that we're on mm -hmm. and when we met him initially we were taking meetings with a couple of different people and he was just the one that was like look I love what you're doing. I don't want to change anything about what you're doing. You can produce your first record. You can write all the songs. I'm not trying to change what you're doing because I like what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been the yeah. ethos up until now. And I mean, things have gradually shifted and we've, I mean, we've worked with outside producers and, but it's never been because someone is telling us that we, uh, that we must. Right. Um, yeah. Or yeah, I think we would have a different, it would it would just be a different situation if that was the case challenged in the right ways though yeah, yeah. for sure. the last record we we were pushed i think in ways that were initially uncomfortable for us but i think resulted in us making uh so much of a better product 100 and I the, would, the limits make us you know, like having a time limit or having like the need to do something i think is is good for creativity yeah also we're a strong we're a strong kind of three-headed dog when we come into the room if someone suggests an idea and we're all just like no nope and then people are kind of just drop it. back to the so, underworld yeah back to the underworld back to yeah. hades they yeah, have taught me a lot hades. about that like <laughs> like being in touch with what you actually want and not just being a yes person um but i would also say like as far as your question goes about doing things a different way like i think we've been almost traditionalists up until this point in that we actually were really interested in like making records like we wanted to make albums um and I think we were excited. Like, it's just a rare um, in this day and age to, like, have the resources to do that. Yeah, I noticed your, I mean, the record that you released in 2019 is, like, 12 songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was like, huh, 
yeah, this is a yeah. It doesn't seem like anybody's doing that now. It's like six yeah. songs. Oh, EP. Oh, oh, right. Oh, I, you know. Right. And I was like, oh wow, this is a super full length situation. Yeah. yeah. And we got to take time to do it, yeah. which actually maybe is the most like countercultural thing of the moment With that you can years, do. Probably. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like make people wait for the right time. Right. Um, but I think we're we're now now that we've uh, sort of accomplished that I, f- I feel like we we felt after our first record that we needed to make another record we felt compelled to make a body of work that felt really um well conceived and thought out from start to finish mm-hmm. the first record had songs that we'd written when we were still in school and songs that we were written you know weeks before the album was turned in and i think this the second record was more of like a condensed period of time and like uh, reflecting on a specific sort of set of of notions n- notions and emotions and sounds and stuff like that and i think now we're kind <laughs> of notions and emotions. emotions and emotions song in that. um you know what yeah, writing all the time we're, yeah writing at the dmv is this a writing um yeah this is a session we're in one um but i think we're moving we kind of want to move toward um being a little bit more like carefree with releasing stuff when we feel like it if we if we feel like it's fun to to do that we can be a little less like type a and tied asses about it yeah i think that's the next phase loosen it all up yeah well interesting you talk about changing (laughs) changing yeah yeah yeah, absolutely but I, uh, I have my, the other question I always like to ask is like because I think for a lot of artists it's a form of inspiration for what they do or why why they want to express and share it with the world versus do it in their closet or you know alone mm-hmm. and just make songs and it doesn't matter is activism mm-hmm. like uh, the things that you do to give back that inspires you to write and might be just writing but I'd love to hear from each of you what your form of activism is or what you what you champion that's that's positive in the world that's addressing some of the many terribly negative and depressing things that are going on yeah. right i mean we kind of met via sort of like an activist ish oh yeah like textbook definition of activism yes. i would say yeah um in in school i was an african american studies major so and i was uh, studying that sort of at the same time that the the emergence of the Black Lives Matter movement and the emergence of, you know, that the epidemic of very public police shootings. So we we've we had a lot of conversations about like uh, r- racial injustice. And um, I don't know, we were kind of like textbook lefties. I mean, the USC change movement mm-hmm. was like happening at the beginning of our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think brought us together in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a a kind of watershed moment at USC where yeah. there were two parties happening across the streets from each other. I'm going on a tangent. Is that okay? Okay. There were two parties happening across the street from each other. One was at um, the Pink House, which is like a legendary um, kind of like the frat house for the art freaks at USC. 100%. Um we lived there our senior year, but we were sophomores at the time. Mm-hmm. So there was a party there. They were like selling liquor, like without a license. And it was like pretty rowdy. And then there was a party that was like licensed at the school. Um, like everything was like permitted at the black student union house, which was uh, directly across the street. And the cops were called because of noise. And um, like 79 police officers showed up in full riot gear and invaded the party at the Black Student Union House and not the party at the Pink House. They told people at the Pink House to go home. 
Um, or, and, and stay inside. And stay inside and stay safe. Um, and so that like was a big watershed moment because there were people that were like, we had friends at both parties and we were like going we back, and, both. B- back and yeah. forth yeah. across the street the, that night. Um, and uh, it was um, a growing experience for us. And it was happening at the same time. I think that we like were starting to conceive of Muna as a project. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, like how all the threads, like kind of what I was saying about how you're always writing. Uh, I was talking, we were talking on an interview yesterday um, about our song, I know a place and how that song like got started. And that um, we wrote the, the next summer, June, 2015, um, like the marriage equality act had, had passed. Um, but at the same time, the activism that we were doing like in spaces that were like primarily black or like members of the LGBT community, but like there were people of color. It wasn't just white members of the LGBTQ community. Like I was like lucky enough to be more aware of the fact that part of our struggle as a community, um, particularly for like trans women of color, um, w- was still just primarily a struggle to be physically safe, like to exist. So that was the reason that we like made those lyrics, what they were about laying down your weapons. Cause I was like, it's not just about show your colors and dance and have a good time. It's like, don't fucking, sorry, I swore, but like, don't kill me. Um, so I think that like, and this happened before Orlando. Yeah. It was like six months before that happened. Yeah. So yeah. I think everything like yeah. bleeds together for us. And we've talked since the formation of our band. We're very much like a, the personal is political type of flow. Um, and I think that's part of Saves the World as well. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think we were interested post... Um, 2016 election and and post a, a lot of like the over uh the overdriven nature of the like national political climate and conversation and sort of um discussing um or being political uh below the surface in the sense of like addressing um truly addressing personal like trauma and problems and like how you move through the world and how you can be a better person or try to be a better person by just Mm -hmm. being honest with yourself and, and how that will inevitably make you hopefully a better member of whatever community you're a part of. I think that was kind of the, a little bit of the ethos behind the second record or as it developed, that kind of became the conversation. Definitely. hundred percent. And that conversation or that I'm asking, I guess is like, Mm. once you address that, Mm. Is it the same conversation that you're sort of having to, um, it, you know, have with yourself? Is that something that you then want to bring out? Is that the beginning mm-hmm. of like then relating that to the world? And is that the beginning of that activism? Does it start with a conversation? Does it start about, because I know like, especially it's like people have so much fear about what is okay. What is okay to say? What is okay to think? What, it, you know, and I, and for me, I'm totally ignorant consistently across the board about, uh, you know, everything. Mm. And so I'm always like, yeah, my first, my first step is always a question. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I think that always has to lead to conversation. And is that where we go? Is that how we start? I mean, I would tend to agree with that statement. I mean, it seems as though you're 
saying that you're a, a self-aware human being <laughs> to the extent right. that you know what you know and you know what you don't know and that, that's every single person alive on planet earth and like if if we can just move through the world with a level of like self-awareness and and respect for other people um that i think kind of deflates the tension to a certain extent um yeah i mean that feels like the the a, a decent way to to start a conversation for sure. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm half black, but I have to, uh, you know, be honest with people when I encounter them. Like, I know that I have an extreme amount of privilege. I know what I look like. Like I don't experience things that other black or African descended people experience, despite one of my parents being black and me having black family and like a relationship to black culture. Like there's shit that I don't know about. Sorry for swearing. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's, it's not to say that it's just all about checking your privilege, but it it's just having a degree of self-awareness. Yeah. And we have that in relationship to each other as well. Self-awareness like, and compassion, I think for the other person, yeah. like by being self-aware, I think you recognize your humanity and by recognizing your humanity, you recognize the humanity and everyone, hopefully. Right. I think we have a long way to go and like, we have a lot to learn, um, I don't know. It's it's a worthwhile thing to reflect on, like how you approach activism in your art and how we're going to change the world. <laughs> well, were, I, mean, I thought that it was Muna saves the world. Yeah, it is. Right. Yeah, there's there's yeah, that's that's a part of it, you know. But yeah, here's yeah, yeah. the here's the way we were like trying to kind of flip it is like I think there's um we were starting a conversation almost towards like localization, even just down to the level of like, um, just trying to save yourself. Like we were really like, it takes a lot of bravery to look at your own story and your own patterns and your own like, um, personal kind of, responsibility, right, yeah, personal responsibility <laughs> which people don't really I, like. I know, um, but it's actually the it. only thing I think that will change the world. Right. If we yeah. all were to do that. Right. You know? Um, and it's it's really fascinating because it's like I don't think that really you can you like you can affect yourself, but it's like you can't get somebody else to be honest with themselves mm -hmm. about, you know, how they can change like you. It's impossible to do. And it's actually a waste of your energy. So zero it's like, control. yeah, <laughs> zero control. Yeah. Um, so we've been really interested in that. And like I felt so lucky to get to really dive deep like it's actually crazy. It's like we're signed to a major label and like I got to write a bunch of songs that like really talk about stuff that like I was ta only talking about with my therapist. Like it's like it's amazing that we have the freedom to just go so deep. And um, one of the most rewarding things. So it's like by me having the opportunity to do that and taking it and like receiving it with gratitude and like us doing our best um, to represent that now we're getting messages from people like this record like helped me understand like the things that I've been going through and like the patterns in my life that I've been feeling and it's like led me through a process of transformation and growth and it's like I couldn't have done that I couldn't have talked someone else through it but I was just talking for myself and it ended up helping somebody else um so I think we're really interested in in how that mechanism can be applied. But I, like I said, I think we have a long way to go. Like in terms of our actual personal lives, like I got really into gardening when we were making this record, like Naomi and Joe are really great about like environmental sustainability. But I do feel like that we like, um, 
we're not as I would like to be more outward facing. Like I've had a period of time that's really inward and like really reflective and like I'm getting a bit sick of myself. I think it would be good to, yeah. to focus on I, other people a little bit more. feels like, I don't know, a time period. Um, when is the time, Naomi, uh, yes. that when people are so sad because of the political atmosphere, they're making just really fun pop you know what i mean, I mean what the 80s yeah 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 i mean whenever there's like a, a right wing repressive government in power there's like a tendency i think to make like there's a tendency for kind of punk to come up in whatever fashion whatever like counterculture revolutionary fashion and very saccharine like please numb out to this music pop music in a way it relate to the saccharine you know what Absolutely. i mean i think I we're mean, all nothing, yeah we want to be happy i think we kind of want to make more happy music <laughs> these days mm-hmm. i think we all need it yeah always yeah. i mean i think it's us existing, yeah i think radical happiness is maybe the next you know? uh moon they thing. don't want us to be happy but I, if, if we're happy that's that's radical sh- stuff yeah, and I think the world is is changing. Like you said, you're signed to a major, and they're they're letting you express yourselves. And what having the courage to be taking personal responsibility into your lyrics and into your art, you know, is is wonderful. And it's actually being celebrated for the first time in a long time in a major way, right? So mm-hmm. that's something to celebrate and hear all of us together just like woo it's happening and also to like encourage other artists to use their voices in the same way i mean i'm a big fan of the poetics of activism in when you're actually making art and music Mm -hmm. and not some sort of like i'm gonna stand on a podium and tell you my issue right right Right. yeah Yeah. i'm not into necessarily i'm not suggesting that but Mm -hmm. you can tell that the heart space of what you guys are doing is really about like your questions about society and your questions about everything that that does bother you or or elate you and i love that it's juxtaposed with this almost saccharine pop yeah but you know fun <laughs> dance music and i think yeah. that's what's really cool and what i saw is very left of center about what you're doing and very happy to be celebrating it here i know you mentioned that you watch phoebe bridger's episode mm. of launch up you know the reason we know about you is because phoebe spoke so highly of you on that show and said that you she'd been listening to muna a lot um and so that's how we found you so then the other question we always ask is you know who are each of you listening to Mm. um what what who do you think is kind of moving culture forward with their music or just makes you happy to listen to we'd Mm -hmm. love to know your opinion on that i'm not good at this right now i'm listening to the georgia (laughs) record have you guys heard it Uh, um Hampton or or no no, georgia is um this girl from the uk i don't know where um but just put out a record called seeking thrills and um she's an amazing producer it's like amazing pop music um, it's in the lineage of of sort of a. a, a I feel like Robin, I hear Fever darker. Ray. Yeah, Fever Ray. I hear who I also love. I hear Robin. I hear MIA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I haven't heard a record like this in a long time. Um, so I've been listening to that when I rollerblade. Um, I mean, the Caroline Polachek record. Yeah, is is really interesting. She's super cool. Mm-hmm. The former lead singer of a band called chairlift but she put out an amazing solo record that i love um i like What's the that? ethan gruska yeah, i don't know how that. to pronounce his last name i think you did it okay yeah. good um yeah. he put out a record that i really love um and that's just kind of a folk uh folk pop rock really right. well produced really just beautiful album um but i've also been listening to like 
I don't know. I've been listening to kind of like I don't know what you've been li- like <laughs> like Sixpence None the Richer and Cute. like you know like yeah. summery music like the Sundays and like yeah just music that makes me feel good. And well, like, I sent you. Did you ever listen to the Aaron Ray record? Yeah, I did love that. That was really good. We like this girl Aaron Ray who's based out of Nashville. Who's like I got really I I was in Nashville recently and I like went through so many. Um, like rabbit holes of like where are the like what what who are the different queer people making country music and i got really into the orville peck record oh, and yeah, cool. it's so great <laughs> <laughs> you neighing so yeah, she's neighing it's uh, yeah. Yeah. reverting reverting to it's horse so amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah but you should check out the aaron ray record um E-R-I- putting on airs e-r-i-n r-a-e yeah too bad she's not here and could perform a song on your recommendation because that's what we like to do here is have artists launch other artists. Oh, well, maybe next time. I wish you could like Shiza. edit it in. Yeah, some type of hologram. Our friend Amber. That's cute. I love Amber. Yeah, we oh, love the Japanese, Amber, house. Japanese yeah, the house. Japanese house. She's incredible. Just, yeah. She's a sweetie. Absolute bangers. Yeah, we love her. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I really don't know. don't know. I'm just listening to Yaz. Oh, you jazz. To jazz. Yeah, she I listen to jazz. jazz um, as a rule. Well, I've been listening. Night. I'm uh, trying to like listen to a bunch of standards because I'm trying to learn them. I'm not really listening. To, I like standards, but yeah. But that's not your. I don't know. What's your jazz? Listen to Sam. Speaking of long, Sam uh, left of center. I yeah, I haven't listened. Oh, the recently. Sam Wilkes record is really yeah. Good. yeah. Uh, he's a, a buddy of ours we went to college with. I ha- I used to. Yeah. Uh, if not, I'm listening like West Mon- Montgomery or like. Um, Who's the one PM? Bill, uh, Bill, Bill Evans and like um, we listen to Bill Joe's Evans and Pat Metheny and we like cook. You know, yeah. That's I just like, like honestly at this point it's like I'm trying to like read my book and listen to jazz and I light a candle. Uh, I'm listening. I'm re- I'm listening to a book. No, I'm reading a book actually. Uh, <laughs> People listen. Killing to books. Commodore. People, I don't know. No shame. Uh, Killing Commodore. Uh, it's the new mer- uh, like think Murakami's last novel. I just started it. Wow. Yeah, we'll his see how last it is. Novel. I mean, I think it was the Most last recent. one. Yeah, not his like, last. Oh, not his final. <laughs> not not his final. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Are y'all reading anything? I'm reading something. She's that an I avid actually, reader. Um, it's called uh, "Where the Crawdads Sing," and it is. Um, you know, I gotta say, my son was like, "Wow, mom, I think you must really like that book. You're really just because it really." Um, it's in, based in the South, mm. takes place in the South. And I do the description is so beautiful. I often feel like the wind yeah. when I'm reading it yeah. and I can smell That's the cool. brackish water. Yeah. And and it really, it's it's keeping me in there. I don't know. I think that there's like a whole murder mystery situation sure. going down, which is oh. not my jam. But um, I'm very much, it's like. The Gothic. Um, yeah, yes, it's good, there's it's like, good. you know, there's like some alcoholic themes mm-hmm. and some very child good. abuse. And I'm like. Yeah. I'm I'm in there. Yeah, yeah. And we'll see where where it goes. Wow. I love like books that take place in the south. Yeah. I just reread their eyes were watching God. Oh my god, I just gave that to my son. Really? He was like, I need a classic. And I was like, this isn't like Jane Austen classic, but this is classic. It's a classic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it has an interesting history because like people were like It was a banned book, no? Yeah, people were kind of mad that a black woman wrote this amazing book and it took a minute for people to like recognize it. They're always mad. They're always mad. And it has um, like a natural disaster in it. I'm super fascinated in fiction that involves the climate. 
um, because people don't like it. It's way too scary. Well, there's this, <laughs> there's this book called The Great Derangement by Amitav Ghosh, who's a, who's an Indian fiction writer, but he wrote this nonfiction book about how we don't see the climate in fiction because it's unbelievable. It's like it's kind of silly, or it's seen yeah. as like low art to or like put, pathetic fallacy, like too yeah. too. It's like too like what ridiculous. are the chances of that happening? But it's like this is a part of our reality, and it's going to be more and more so. Yeah, as I mean, we that saw. Makes, I mean, I feel like for hi- historically speaking, the climate has always been part of yeah. reality, right? Yeah. And like we used to have Hopefully. religions that were like pretty based, much based on, on yeah, yes, yeah. like like God is creating and this, and, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Back to yeah, Hades. It's really Back to Hades. You know. Back to Hades, but bring it all, all back, back to Hades. We all bring circular conversations. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> okay, you guys never talked about what M-U-N-A means. Mm-hmm. God it, knows. And okay. Let's do that one. No, Let's no, do no. that. We were like, Luna's a cool word, and we were like coming up with all these horrible band names. And then we were like, well, Luna's definitely taken and then someone was like Muna and we were like yeah let's just do that that's yeah. that just feels like good it means things in different languages yeah it means planetary yeah. Yeah. something we're yeah. into like the world building yeah, thing so it makes sense that it's like it, it evokes the image of like this feminine orb in the sky we were like cool mm. that would be a good place to- it's yeah. also like English and Spanish yeah it's yeah. global it's yeah it means yeah. a bunch of different things. It's interesting. Like in Arabic, it means desire. Yeah. It means like to remember nostalgically in Icelandic, right? right? In like, some yeah. native language, it means like waterfall. In Finnish, it means a penis or egg. Uh, no, I mean, there's an African it's a, language. It's a, but yeah. it means egg, but right? people use it for penis, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, right. So it's like, like penis a... in all caps. And then. <laughs> okay, that's three times that we've ever said <laughs> penis on the podcast. It's favorite podcast. Great. Right? Because we've yeah. said penis so much. Good. Okay, good, 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 good. good, good. Penis is not a bad word. But it, there's an African <laughs> you know? language where it means like homie. Like it's like, what up, yeah. Mona? Which I think is cute. Yeah. 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 So many a thing. What's your other question? Oh, Shiza. Shiza, right? Shiza Permanente is what I do. We've all been there. Um, (laughs) My other question was, uh, oh, okay, so you guys, I didn't, this was a new question. What arguments take place under what? A lot. Okay, fine. But that we always come back to the love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing that's cool about this, it's like the project is outside of us and it's bigger than us. And so we keep doing that. Um, but we, I mean, like, we argue all the time, you know, where right. we're, it's like it's like it's familial arguments. And also it's like Joe threatened to something? spank us yesterday. Yeah. It's there the being studio. so that's that S&M thing. Yeah, I was talking about really that's yeah. platonic S&M. It keeps have us all any, in check. Have you guys ever have any of you dated? Yeah, we yeah. we used to date. We they dated did. for like three years and we fought all the time. Okay. And now. Now they we, fight a little bit less. We do. We f- we're oh, we slightly have, less. We they, have a but definitely less. Just the wounded child. Because we trigger each other so much. Yeah, yeah and we trigger the so shit. So Joe's mean. I think that's why you were gonna spank us yesterday. No, no y'all were just y'all were yeah y'all trigger the fuck out of me. I don't know <laughs> why you think it's just y'all. No, uh, it's true. I mean that's uh, what an intimate relationship yeah, usually it just but, evolves into tears and then we all end up like going and going out to dinner or something and then everyone feels yeah. I mean like it's just that's usually what it is. I think the thing. It just makes worse work is commit worse uh, is commitment like, we're just committed to each other and like um i think it's just that we are there's something about the three of us that is uh, that has been united and we see the humanity and uh love for one each other yeah more than anything are your 
COVID synced up? No. No. Oh. Listen, it only happened once on tours, the last tour. Remember? We, there are some different... There, there are some different alpha wombs yeah. in, in the rotation that I think. I don't know are who the alpha. I don't know who the alpha. I thought is. I was the alpha womb. I'm not. We think it might be Joe's girlfriend. I think though, it's right? Kelly. Uh, right. Just ages and where you're from and your names. Yeah, yeah. sure. If you okay. want to. Yeah. This is Mike. I'm Mike. <laughs> I think it's no, fine. We're loud. No, no we're I'm over 25. 25. Uh, I'm, should we I not say I'm, that? I'm 25 still. <laughs> I'm turning 26 very soon, but I'm 25, and I'm from Los Angeles. And that was Joe speaking. Yeah. This is Naomi. I'm 27. Um, from San Diego, which yeah. is a place that exists. Mm, yes. No opinion yes. regarding it, other than that, it's good Mexican food. Burrito. Burritos are good, and Indeed. that's about it. I'm Katie. I'm 27, and I am from the suburbs of Chicago. Ciao. Yeah. Awesome. This is a great. I'm 42 and I'm from. I don't know where we're from. This is really, really fun. <laughs> yeah. Hi, welcome back. Next up is our third launched artist from our digital single series, Simmy Stone. This is part of the River Phoenix 50 release, and we're really happy to have her on the show. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Welcome to the show, Sammy Stone. Sammy! Hi! <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome Thank to Launch Left. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, the Launch Left digital single series. Oh, I'm so happy to be a part of it and thank you thank you for having me it's wild uh wild times we are in right now with the virus and also with the systemic racism on display and so important that it is and so important that you know all of us come together and yeah work through this 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 thing that we've just been uh, avoiding i guess and or Den uh, yeah denial or uh, just ignorance or both or it's so complicated because it's part of it's the very core of how the, the country started so karmically yes i know and absolutely no um, you know, recognition of that, a kind of sweeping under the rug, which never bodes well on something being understood and dissolved, right? So how could we, how could we <laughs> ever think we were dissolving racism by sweeping it under the rug? It's time. That's what I, yeah, I feel like it's time. And, you know, the, the video that we had to, that I couldn't watch the video of the complete video of, of George. I think that really pushed everyone, every, every human being was pushed over the edge by that. Like just at the humanity. Yeah. In us. And all these conversations are happening now and people are freaking out. In a way, it was like, it took that to ignite the humanity in, to see the humanity of, of the black man, you know? And yeah. finally be like, oh my, wait, whoa. And it's a hard pill, you know? But, you know, any, anything in your life that you've ever, like anyone you've ever seen have trauma or whatever we've all gone through and denied, it always comes back. Yep. So, and I too feel like a little bit relieved, even though it's so messed up to say that, but I know what you mean. Like, it's Well, just, it's like it's not hidden anymore. It's something that everyone has to talk about. And I think I agree that seeing 
um, our shared humanity, but also seeing the ruthlessness of racism and how the ignorance of something could overtake a human being and make them monstrous and feel justified in their monstrous monstrosity of <laughs> yeah, you know, no, it's yeah. so uncomfortable. I laugh because it's just that on display was, I think, also such a huge part of that video was seeing the abject cruelty that a human being can have towards another and how we don't, no one, you know, of good heart and mind wants to support that. So if you're on the wrong side of justice, then you are supporting that. You know, like if you're silent, you're supporting that. And so I think that was a real wake up call for those who has, those of us who identify as white. And I think super important that, that it happened. Your song, what are the odds that your song that we remixed from, you know, some, you, from some time back, it's so appropriate. It feels like it's like from, you know, God or something, like some other like mystical timing is happening because it is, it's a song about I want to be free. I just want to, you know, live my life and I want it to be beautiful. And, and <laughs> we're not asking for anything crazy. Like we just want yeah. to like have the spectrum of the rainbow, just like anyone else, like yeah. smart, dumb, criminal, you know, lawyer, um, genius, whatever. Like it's just all, yeah, we just want to be free to be, whoever we're going to be. I think at the core of it, it's such a, it's not a huge ask. And I don't think everyone should put themselves on emotional trial either. I mean, I think people have to look within and be like, okay, well, what, how have I not knowingly contributed or, or knowingly or what? But I think it's going to take time to figure it out. You know, I see a lot of my friends are like, oh my God, I have to figure out, like, I don't know what to say anymore. And I feel horrible, you know, like a lot of, you know, white people's fear to like, to do anything, right? Yeah. It's also a way of not doing anything. And so it's better to step out and have someone go, you fucked up, than <laughs> to not try, you know, and it is important that we just take our cues from those who do know and learn. I'm learning too, because, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a small town in Woodstock. You know, I, I kind of sheltered in a way. But, you know, I got to know society and society got to know me and it's been an interesting journey, especially in the music business, you know, as a woman and as a brown woman. And in a way, putting this out with you and at this time feels perfect to me. I feel fortunate to be here in this moment, like with you and putting this song out and being part of, you know, celebrating the life of your brother, who was a very open-minded person. I'm just glad to be part of this rollout for this music, to be supporting music that you made with your brother and your and the group of musicians that surround you guys. And it's so easy to be on the wrong side, you know, especially when you get into a professional creative world. To be able to stick to your guns for, for, for a long time is I guess it's kind of rare, you know? It might be the future. Just actually sticking to your guns, like people's actual souls. I think like in an industry in you know i that's what i that's what launch left is and that's what i you know it's like okay so these aren't the voices that normally get heard and this isn't the music that'll normally make it past the you know whatever uh and and we're more interested in activism and what's your heart say and sticking to your guns like you said although that expression comes right out of uh, so bad. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 
I think about everything that I say now, right. I'm just so happy to be alive during this time of revolution and to be sharing uh, molecules with you and your music. And thank you for so much for being a part of Launch Left and sharing your voice with us. And we just hope that it makes a difference, small difference, and that we do things that bend towards justice. Bend towards justice, yes. That's I like that. That's what, I like that. That's what we're definitely interested in being a part of. So, uh, can you tell us just a little bit more about your song, like, uh, or the remix and why you chose to do it the way you did? Give us something a little, maybe about the single. Tell us about your song. Okay. Well, my song, Beautiful One, which, which I had uh, recorded uh, as part of a previous record called The Rescue, which was actually was very much about finding inner peace and like reconciling going through something tragic like heart heartbreaking and coming out of that and once you walk through something like that you are you're kind of like bring it on you know like oh i'm what what do you got like i lived through something that nearly killed me so i feel like i'll do i, I i'm just gonna sing like i want to sing about love and that song came out of like reimagining something that happens in my past as happening differently like so like kind of like fan like uh like a dream of how I wish it had happened or a dream to go back to a dream night that was like one beautiful time. And, and, uh, and also feeling confused about what I was doing and where I was and kind of refiguring out myself. And so when Beautiful, beautiful One was like, oh, this is like a, an empowerment song. I show my body in the video and I'm like, you know, I don't do that all the time, but I just felt like I wanted to like be in my own skin and finding my own like, my own inner beauty and like my own accepting of myself that I had kind of not been dealing with for a long time. I was more on the destruction of the self uh, side of things, even though like I feel like I always had a connection to a higher being, you know, that I feel like has saved me, but talked about Beautiful One and we had talked about some other options, but then kept coming back to this song and it just felt like, why don't I do a remix? Cause I had started learning how to record on my own and I was getting better at it during quarantine because there was a lot of time to <laughs> to work on stuff I said well but maybe we can't release it because it's out and then I was like why don't I do a remix like I would, let's, I'm gonna remix it you're like yeah but I'm like yeah let's do a remix so I was like okay thinking about who to do it and I was like well maybe I'll give it a try and I had run it backwards like in my uh, garage band and it sounded so cool backwards once uh, by mistake and I was like oh my god that sounds like another language or like something beautiful and I I never knew what to do with it and then when this opportunity came I was like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna go in with this and like all I have right now is part of my freedom is to drive around in my car and blast music you know like that's a big thing and I was like I want to remix this song so people can like blast this in their car and just like drive and be like yeah like sing and just feel like that badass feeling so it came out of like it was just very almost as when i go into uh paint something which i started doing visual art you know which is a lot of part of my like healing myself and when i went in to do this it was kind of like that well it's a beautiful song and i'm so glad it's gonna get another release for thank me. you oh, for letting me that. go on and on and on I like that. That's going to be the whole Q&A. The whole Q&A is going to be talking about the song, so we're good. Thank you. That's what I needed. I needed you to go on and on about the song. Well, thank you, beautiful. You. You're beautiful. Love you. You're beautiful.
You're beautiful. <laughs> Love you. Okay. Thanks. Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left of center artists in all creative fields. <laughs>